1: mailbag time mailbag time if you have mailbag questions please put it in the chat mb before the question make sure we know what is a mailbag question and what is just general chatter excited to get into this one though obviously i missed yesterday's show so uh mailbag time oh my
2: god ryan you have it was a marathon it was literally the longest show we've ever done other than had a thanksgiving one that went like that was meant to go that long in the signing day. But as far as like a normal show, it was.
1: I tuned in for a little bit and then someone had texted me at like six and was like, they're still going. I'm like, yeah, wow, that's it's impressive. Nuts. That's it was impressive. our first
2: non special event show that went five hours. It was like,
1: yeah, I was about to say, cause we went, what, what was it, like eight hours on signing day this past yeah, year? And We had like the,
2: we like trade people, you know, like people yeah. take hours off. And yeah. then we went pretty long on that. The, this is before I think you joined us, but we had the, um, the Thanksgiving fundraiser uh, mm. that we did, which, i um, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing something like that again this year, but we had like a bunch of special guests on Tim Priester came on, Reggie Brooks came on, Oscar McBride came on, we had a, Malik Zaire nice. came on, we had a bunch of cool people and it was all to raise money, ended up raising $11,000 to give to awesome. local charities. And I'm, and I'm thinking about doing something like that again. Um, I just got to figure out how we're going to make it work. But, uh, that was a long show, but that, that was meant to be a long show. This was right. the longest, just normal scheduled show <laughs> we've ever had, so I was pretty much tapped out last night. But well, we're going to start off with some good news, Ryan. Sure. This a happy birthday for Charlie Weiss's last belt
1: loop. Charlie, thank you so much for the super chat, man. Gents, I'm 32 years old today. Beat USC, please. Charlie, I'm gonna be 32 at the end of the month, man. So we're both October babies, apparently, and about to turn 32. So that's cool. Happy man. birthday, Happy buddy. birthday.
2: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Hopefully it's you should be saving
1: your money baby. though, man. We should be paying you for well, he went a
2: little smaller man. on the super chat. You know, he's got to save his money. He sure. went to, he was at the, the Duke game two weeks ago. Yeah, and, man. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, yeah, man. Happy birthday, buddy. We appreciate you. Absolutely, Charlie's been around for a minute on this. She's, he, I don't, I don't remember if he's necessarily an OG, but he was on very early. He was on very Real. early.
1: Yeah, yep. I, I hope you have a good one, man. Notre Dame Estimate Trucking LLC with a question: Which had been a bigger problem thus far, losing Matt Bayless or Brian Mason, and why did Bayless leave? I'm, I'm not
2: going to get into the stuff with Matt Bayless. That's between him and his family and Marcus Freeman and all those other kind of things. But uh, yeah. yeah um, it's. And I think my, Brian Mason was a tremendous part of last year's team, but I've always felt Ryan. To me, the off the strength conditioning coach is arguably the most important hire that a head coach can make. Yeah, and 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 for a team like Notre Dame, the second most important is offensive line. I, I really do believe those are the two most important hires, individual hires that a coach can make. And you could argue D coordinators in that conversation as well, but like just a good offensive coordinator with an elite O line coach like a Harry Heastine is going to be pretty good. Sure, but strength coaches is at the top, and so to me, it's it's losing Matt Bayless. The other part of reason why I would say Matt Bayless is because you had all off season to prepare for not having Matt Matt Brian Mason. You lost Matt lost Matt Bayless right before the season started. Yeah, and I, I look is is not having Matt Bayless the reason they're struggling look there's no one reason this team has struggled in the last three weeks it's not well if Matt Bayless is here Notre Dame 7-0 and maybe I don't think so I mean I think there's deeper problems here but I think it's a big part of it because a lot of this team's swagger and confidence came from their faith of what they were doing in the weight room with Matt Bayless I mean I've told Mister sure. I've been at NFL combines and you'd ask start asking about Notre Dame when they just start talking about Tony about Matt Bayless. Well, the you know why are you guys so good at home? Oh, Matt Bayless. You know why are you guys so good in November? Matt Bayless. I mean that's like would be like their answer for every question. It's like you know it's like if Matt Bayless was giving them hundos every time they'd say his name in an interview, like you know that it, it it'd be like that, which he didn't. But there was a great faith. And Matt Bayless and even some of the kids who maybe didn't, who questioned some stuff. Like I knew some kids that would question, but they'd like, but they do it anyway because they, sure. they they had faith in him. Now I don't know if I, but they would still do it and no disrespect to Marcus Freeman and those other guys, but they haven't earned that same cache with the players. And I do think that that's impacted this team again. Is it the only reason they're struggling? That's a, that'd be a cop out. That'd be an easy excuse. Okay. Uh There are several reasons, but that is a, to me, key reason why, this team looked worn out in the last two games because it's still i know they haven't had a bye but it's it's week game 6 and 7 are too early for me for you to look that worn out i don't i don't yeah. care about any of that other stuff you know after usc maybe if they you know but uh game 6 and 7 against duke and louisville should not be those physical juggernauts that just wore you out and you're just not ready to play i just I, it well, shouldn't be that way
1: and I would say like this too is that we're always talking about foundation, right? And building off of it. I mean, is there anybody more foundational than the guy that's working with your players every single day to make them the best physical shape of their lives and the best mental like shape of their lives? I mean, it, cause because that's a it's it's not just a physical gain, it's a mental gain too. I mean, if you are let's say Audrey Gestime, for instance, I'm just gonna use Audrey Estime, but like he's feeling good about his 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 um his his physique and his strength and and uh, durability and all that type of stuff that helps you in a football game, right? When you're wearing down on a defense and you're like, I'm good, man. Like conditioning wise, I'm, I'm good to go here. Like I feel great down the stretch of a football game. So I think that mental side, physical side, I would agree that I think that Matt Bayless obviously has a big, you know, a big foundation in building what Notre Dame has built over the last few years. And I would also say this is that, I I heard some recruits when Mason left of like, oh, that stinks. Like he's a really good coach. Mm -hmm. I heard from a lot of recruits that like, oh man, we weren't expecting that when Matt Bayless left. Like that was a big thing, you know, like he has a hand not only in just like the building of the program each and every day, but also big hand in recruits as well, as far as like sizing them up, making sure that their body composition is good and they can develop them properly. I mean, it matters so much. It really does.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour. And you just can't sleep. Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back. So you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com Irish.
1: We had a question from Rob Osgood who said, in my opinion, this week can be summed up in two things. One, pressure Caleb Williams and tackle him. Two, get back to basics on offense and build momentum from there. I I, I, I mean, basics, yes, Rob. I agree for the offensive side of the ball. But also, like, it, it. I think it's deeper than just back to basics, right? Like, there's a creativity level that I think is missing in this offense. There's juice that's missing. So, I think just getting back to the basics of, like, just foundational stuff as far as, how to run routes, how to block properly. Like that stuff's important, obviously, like it always right. is. But like, there's also like a little bit of juice that's missing from this offense yeah. as well. So I think it just goes a little bit deeper, but I agree with foundationally what you're saying for sure. Here's what I would say, Ryan, is if Notre Dame got back the basics to last if Notre
2: Dame was still playing sound fundamental football the last three games, yep. I think they'd probably beat Louisville. Probably, but not a guarantee. But here's the point. I'd still feel nervous about going into this game because it would be a situation like we had in central Michigan and some other games It was like, you just won because you had way better players than they did. Right. You sure. said that about NC state. We talked about how much the receivers were struggling getting off the line against NC state, how they had some busted plays. They had to rely on the big plays. And, 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 and so you might've been able to out talent Louisville, but I'd still be a little nervous. You do not win beat Ohio state simply because you played sound cuz i i think they did play sound football against ohio state they just they didn't make the calls and they didn't execute certain things to win the football game i don't think it had to do with basics per se at least not on offense right and so but yeah defensively pressure williams and tackle him those are keys but if you pressure williams and tackle him but then you don't tackle in space either you're still going to get beat yep yep right so it, it's he's not a one man show he is by far the number one man but he's got some good players to get, and he's getting the ball. He's not getting the ball out to a bunch of stiffs.
1: Oh, no, there's NFL know? players at wide yeah. receiver and, right. and even running back. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think that Marshawn Lloyd's slightly overrated, but like him and Austin Jones will still get shots in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, we'll and, see. and as a duo, they're a good duo. Because they're very right. different, very different yeah. players. Yep, yeah, would agree. We had IL underscore Irish 82 says, calling for rain most of Friday and Saturday. How much is this going to impact the game plan?
2: I don't think rain is going to impact the game plan at all for either team. What's going to impact the game plan for both teams? It's going to be cold rain and it's supposed to be 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. That's what could impact the game. And and I actually think that could impact Notre Dame more than USC because Caleb Williams has kind of the arm strength, Ryan, to kind of cut the wind right? Cut through the He's, wind a little bit.
1: It's pretty right? good, man. It's right. pretty good.
2: Yeah. Where Notre Dame might have to be more a little bit conscious of, are we throwing in like, I don't care how strong your arm is. There's are certain, Hey, we're not throwing that route into a 20 mile an hour wind because right. it's because it, the other thing too, about wind in a stadium, like Notre Dame's is the higher the ball gets, the more it impacts it. Right. So sure. you may not throw a post route, even though, you know, but you may still throw some 25 yard in cuts, some corner routes with some zip that are 30, 35 yards down the field into the wind because he can cut through it. You may not want to throw that over the top go route that gets caught up there and hangs. And then, right. So, so you got to be smart a little bit about it, but you know, Notre Dame to me is going to have to be more impacted by, okay, we've got the wind to our back. Now we can do this. Uh, But if it's like it was against, against Clemson, where it's just like the wind is just, I mean, cause DJ Uyunglele had a pretty strong arm too, and some of his it balls would get arm. up there and hang up. If yeah. it's like that, then that's advantage Notre Dame because now it becomes a trench game, much more so. And that should it be Advantage Notre Dame anyway. And then you gotta hope that, like, you know, a couple of the times if if it's really wet and cold. You know, maybe Caleb gets away from the defense a couple times but slips and falls seven yards behind. I was gonna screen, I was gonna you know? say, like
1: if it's really wet, like footing for some yeah. of their playmakers would yeah. be a big thing for me. Yeah.
2: yeah. But yeah. you also worry about Notre Dame's players' plant to cut and they fall down. I mean, so
1: well, you if- can just run duo all day, so you don't have to cut as much. I mean, <laughs> there so go.
2: there you go. <laughs> you can bring back last year's offensive line, maybe that might yeah. work, but
1: right, right. yeah. We had Derek Hart who says Notre Dame is a wounded animal right now. I just want to see them fight back. They have weapons everywhere, no excuses.
2: That's a great point, Ryan. I mean, that that's gonna that's what we say is win or lose. I mean, there's a scenario in which Notre Dame can win this game, and I still have some concerns. Just because right. USC has such huge flaws, I'll probably be pretty happy if they win. I mean, that's that's gonna take I something, would be. but like if yeah. they just win because let's say USC just comes in and lays an egg. It's cold, it's wet and raining. USC just doesn't want to be here. No Dame wins and no Dame wins a sloppy game. Am I going to feel like oh they fixed it all? They're fi-. no, I'm not. But the objective is still to win at the end of the day.
1: Uh, and we but, need a win. We need a yeah. win over a top ten team. Like we need that win, man. But Eat if it. the
2: win is ugly, Ryan, yeah. but they fight, they yeah. battle, they scrap, they claw, they just they they then I can with like, our know, like,
0: fingernails for that inch. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Such a weird <laughs> speech. It's like, dude, you That's... did never listen to a single football coach ever. And that little weird thing. you kept hitting us the, the, the little, like, it wasn't like a play sheet. It was almost like, it was like oh, a yeah, it was... sheet. It's like, what, what do you keep hitting in your hand? Is that whatever weird yeah. movie, but anyway, but no, but, but to your point, Ryan, like if it is that and they win sloppy, then I'm okay. Because as long as this Notre Dame team is willing to fight, yeah. then there's there's hope to fix the other stuff right mm-hmm. like if it's just windy and and you can't get your pass game going like we hope so but you just you're just playing your butts off you're physical you're playing sound yep. you're taking the fight to usc i can live with that because sure. then you can get things right in a couple of weeks and all that but that's the big thing uh Derek. i think you nailed it man i want to see this team play with a lot of heart on Saturday, yep. win or lose. Even if they lose, right, but they just play their butts off, and USC just Caleb Williams is just too good. You know, you you take yep. it's like if you lose the way that Notre Dame lost USC in 05, where you played your butts off, but just on this particular day, USC was better than you. I'm not going to be happy about it. But I'm like, you know what? This team's got a little something to it. Get things right, run the table, nine and three. Minor improvement over last year, but okay at least you were you know your kids fight hard you got a lot of things you got to fix but at least your kids played hard and you feel better about it but uh i just want to see him fight man that's a great point i agree Uh, my favorite part
1: of that al pacino speech was when he was talking about how he was broken stuff and i'm just like what is what does this relevance have to this speech but all right (laughs) You're,
2: you're rambling al land the plane land the plane coach
1: i made every mistake of middle age. okay yeah. i don't care i don't yeah. care about that thank you though. i, I, I want to be
2: like bro you're not middle-aged anymore because you're old <laughs> okay he's old i like wow. when when an l cool J raised hand why, why, why are you julian why are you raising your hand i don't want you to be the only guy with your hand up <laughs> so,
1: <laughs>
2: so stupid such yeah. a dumb movie um yeah super chat here from tyler evans thank you tyler
1: Tyler says if Notre Dame wins this weekend, what would you what would that say about this program and Marcus Freeman?
2: They got some fight left.
1: Yeah. I would I would say that it hasn't been perfect, but there is still hope, right? Which is the biggest thing. Notre Dame fans want hope right now. I mean, you just lost two out of three. You lost to a Louisville team that, frankly, you're much more talented yep. than you just are. You lost a bad game where you played very poorly. Notre Dame has a chance if they're able to beat a good a very good USC team, a top 10 team in the country, to show that you have hope and that there is yes. a there's potential there. We keep hearing about Marcus Freeman and the potential he has and what he could be and we talk about the heights that he could get to. But where's the where's the the tangible proof that that could be a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Beating USC even at home would be proof that like hey, yep. maybe maybe there's something here, maybe there's substance here. So, hope is yeah. the biggest thing for me hope we have
2: such short memories as fans Derek Galloway yep. says then the most explosive player to date is a walk-on lacrosse player that speaks oh volumes gosh. it speaks volumes about a very short memory span that Notre Dame fans have I mean did we not watch Chris Tyree run a 76 yard touchdown reception do not remember him having a 20 yard gain do not remember Tobias Merriweather going for 76 or or Audrey I mean guys come on yeah Notre, Notre Dame, even with all their issues, they have the same amount of plays of 30 yards or more as USC. Okay? Like, let's let's avoid the hyperbole. Okay? Yeah. Jordan Faison ran an over route, and he was wide open. Right? Because they were pl- – you know why he was partly wide open? Do you guys want to know why? Go back and watch the play. They double teamed Chris Tyree. Yeah. Because they it was actually a really smart play because they had Tyree and Jordan Faison in the game together, and they yep. basically ran verts, Ryan. And Tyree ran up the seam, and that safety was like I and Chris Tyree. And by the time he realized Jordan Faison was going over, he couldn't catch him. So, and,
1: and we are we are big Jordan Faison fans on this yes. show. I mean, literally, I love this high we school film as an quarterback. <laughs> I know, that's man. Not,
2: that's how much we thought of him as a player. Like, dude, we got to get this kid and him but, and Luke Talich on the show.
1: But I would also remember this: is that you know who. Uh, uh, I honestly didn't know who 80 was for a second. I'm like, who the heck's 80? Okay. Oh, Jordan oh, face right. Wow. That's you great.
2: Fall camp. That's right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, who else didn't know who 80 was Louisville. Louisville didn't know who 80 was. They right. And, and give him, give right. him great credit. I mean, he made a couple really nice plays during the game and, and he had like, the opportunity. stop route. Ryan, right. that he caught like 13 yards because he yeah. stopped, he saw
2: the inside coverage and didn't yep. work in. He just like sat right in that hole and gave Sam Hartman a window. That was a more impressive play to me than the touchdown because the touchdown was just, okay, you can run to the backside team and the defense didn't cover you. Great. Right. But that feel he showed on the stop route to me, wasn't an even, and he ran past the sticks. It was like a, it was a longer, uh, down a distant situation, but uh, they were yeah. looking at they were double teaming Chris Tyree. Did, did you see that from the All Twenty Two version? Yeah, I, yep. I didn't. I didn't notice at the time that Chris Tyree was also on the field. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that until I went back and watched the All Twenty Two, and I was like, "Dude, that was a smart play call." It was because they ran Chris Tyree, and Tyree came screaming off the line, and 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 Louisville was like, because he had run by them a couple times already, yep. and they didn't and and. They they had to seen it, like dude. If if they eventually go to four, he's gonna smoke. And then then he ran free again later and dropped the ball. But Chris Tyree was open three times for what should have been huge plays. And um, and then on that particular play, Sam read it perfectly. The safety was eyeing uh, to Chris Tyree. They had frozen the backside guy at the tight end and Faison. And he what the thing he did good on that play Ryan, is he found that perfect angle. To get under that safety, but also get over top of the other defense. If he levels that yeah. thing at all, off at all, or goes too high, then Louisville might have a chance to make a play on it. He did a really nice job yeah. on it, but uh, yeah. I mean, I want to see more stuff like that, though. Yep, right? No like, get some speed on the field, man. It's what we talked about. Get more speed on the field. And you get him and Chris Tyree on the field together. Yeah. Now you got something because you used Chris Tyree was the guy that kind of ate up the defense and it opened up another guy. Imagine that. Imagine that. Hmm. Who who knew? And then, you know, you know how many times we saw him go back to that?
1: Zero. Zero. Yeah.
2: Zero. Yeah. But to yeah. Tyler's point, though, Ryan, um, I'll yeah. feel really good about it if they beat USC. You, look, USC still a good football team, guys. I mean, are they, are they a, a, a playoff team right now? I don't think so. I, I think they're going to probably yeah. lose a couple games, possibly, unless they – I mean, they can turn things around, too. But if they keep playing like they're playing now, they're going to lose to Washington. They'll probably lose to Oregon, and they may drop another one. You're right cuz Utah and UCLA have good enough defenses that maybe they can cause a couple mistakes and I don't think they have enough good enough offenses but you know what if Cameron Rising's back by then or something who knows but um, yep. but USC also can get better I mean we're we're saying Notre Dame can get better well so can USC Sure. Uh, so yeah I mean if Notre Dame beats USC this weekend, that's a big win there's there's no well they weren't that good I don't want to hear any of that crap because they're it's- winning
1: well, it's a big, take, it's a big victory to beat. going you know, to say, right. Because
2: what would we say? If they, if you take Caleb, cause the, well, yeah, you guys said, if you take Caleb Williams off that team, they're, they're maybe four and two and Andrew Gilmore. Mm-hmm. As well, Yeah. I think they lose to Colorado and I think they lose to Arizona if they don't have, they Caleb almost Williams.
1: lost to Arizona with Caleb with, Williams. Exactly. So like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they
2: do have Caleb Williams, which right. makes them a really good football team. absolutely, Right. So, no, no, no. um, it would be a big win. Any, you beat Caleb Williams. That's a big win. That's a very Wait, big I mean, team. yeah,
1: that's that's like the Kansas City Chiefs, right? You're like, oh, pick Pat Mahomes off that team. Well, they have Pat Mahomes, though. Yeah, but so. he is on <laughs> the team. Exactly. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> but he is on the team, so you, right. you can't discount that. He is right. on the team, and if you beat him, that's a big win. It's a good football team.
1: Andy Norm says, This has become as a mu- big a must-win game as it can be due to how the season has unfolded. The overall feeling inside the program and the fan base can be vastly flipped from how it feels now with a win, I agree 100%. Yeah. I think that this one, like if Notre Dame loses and you're five and three and you've lost to Ohio State and USC, you are feeling bad, man. Like you are down in the dumps. But if you're six and two coming off of being a number 10 team in the country, USC, a team that you also hate, that is a you're rival, right. a bitter rival, you start being like, okay, there's Love a boss here ball, like, on their team. Right. Right. Exactly. You start feeling like, okay, there's hope, is what I said before. Like, you get hope after that. I think it's huge. I think it's huge. Let me ask you this, Ryan. If I were to tell you before the year,
2: Notre Dame's going to start off six and two, they're going to lose to Ohio State, and you get a pick. Do you want them to lose to Louisville or USC? Which one would you pick?
1: Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Now, again, I don't
2: like how they lost. Yes. But you get the win over your rival. It comes later. You go into the bye week with some momentum and you finish strong. And, and yep. here, here's a, we'll jump down to this question down here, right? Cause it's kind of relevant to this conversation. And I thought it was a very fair question. There was maybe more of a comment. Let me just get down to it here real quick, real fast. It was somebody, somebody had said something, I don't, maybe I didn't star it. Just give me one second. Oh, here we go. It's from uh John Griselli. It's, it's kind of a comment question. Um, type thing but i wanted i think this kind of addresses what we're talking about right now with what would it mean to beat usc
1: yep and john says if we went out and get into a new year six bowl would you guys consider the season a success i say yes but would love to see the wide receivers improve through the rest of the season
2: it it, kind of goes back to what i said earlier right would i consider the season a success yes and no no from the standpoint of what is the overarching goal for notre dame it's to win a championship but I think so many times as fans, we can look at it and say, "Well, if it's it's championship or bust." And I'm like, "Well, in a very narrow standpoint of is that your goals as a f- program? Then sure, it's that. I it, it's it's you say, did you achieve your ultimate goal? No, you did not. Did this team maximize its potential? No, it did not in this scenario. But is ten and two still a success from the standpoint of this? It is, and this is where you always have to have no we lack way too much nuance in conversations about sports and politics and other things nowadays. It's just either this or this. And that it's rarely that it's not a success from the standpoint of what is your overarching goal? You fell short of the st- the ultimate standard, but it's a success from the standpoint of if you went out in this fashion, you beat USC, you beat Clemson, you're, you're going to have momentum. You will have improved upon last year's team. You will have earned some big wins. And, You'll you'll be going into a situation here at the end of the season where you feel good about the direction of the program. We will all say, John, no, they have not arrived yet. They have not fully arrived yet, but they made progress. And so, in that regard, I would consider it a success uh, in that standard. So it always requires some nuance because I am a championships are the ultimate goal guy, and you're not. You can't be great at Notre Dame being ten and two, but it would also be very foolish. And narrow minded and just downright hot take ish. If I said it's championship or bust, and anything other than the championship, I'm it's a failure and and whatever. Well, that means for all but what? How how long was was Newt Rockney the head coach at Notre Dame? Let's let's look this up. Right? Let, let's I'm going to make this point. So that would mean that Newt Rockney in his what? See here: 13. In his thirteen years at Notre Dame, he was a failure ten times. Failure to go when he went nine and zero in nineteen because they didn't win a championship. Failure in twenty twenty when they went nine and zero. Failure in twenty one when they went ten and one. Failure in twenty three when they went nine and one. Failure in twenty six when they went nine and one because they didn't win a championship. Well, I, I don't. I don't think that's a really smart way of looking at things, unless you're just trying to score, you know, points or, or write something that's clickbaity. But winning a championship is always the objective. It's always the standard. And if you don't win it, you're falling short of the standard. But that doesn't mean that you're not making progress as a program to a championship or getting back to a championship. And so, in that regard, ten and two is a success. There's no scenario for me where I would consider a nine and three regular season a success. None, because that is too you're you're underachieving too far. If they go ten and two, they're one game worse than I predict them to be. I'm disappointed by that, but that's a good season. That's a successful season. If you're nine and three, for me, that's two games off of what I expected them to be. And I can't count that as a success, because there are not three teams on your schedule that have better rosters than you you lost to one team that arguably has a better roster than you and you would have you lost to another team that does not have a better roster than you and I'm I'm sure the USC fans in this chat would would disagree with us but I don't think USC if you go top to bottom has a better roster than Notre Dame either they have a way better quarterback which is what makes them dangerous but as far as just the quality of the roster they don't so my point to that I was making Ryan is nine and three would not be a success because you would have to lose to at least two games to teams that are just, you're just have a better roster than 10 yep. and two small, narrow championship, robust, not a success. But if you're evaluating the program properly, a 10 and two season is a good season. It's a step forward season. It's you're not there yet, but you made progress and you're only one game off of what my prediction was for the season. It's not as good as it I wanted it to be or as, as it could have been. You didn't maximize your team, but you still had a good yep. season. You had a successful season. It's going to help recruiting. It's going to help give you momentum because you're going to end the season on strong notes. And I think it'd be foolish for me to say that that's not a successful season. It's not the ultimate success. It's yep. it's you still have work to do, but that's a step forward type of season for me. It is.
1: I, I think for me, it's like the standard is always the standard, right, John? So like 10 and two, even if you win a new year's bowl is not where you ultimately want to be, but I think, cause I'm only working off of how I feel right now. And right now, I mean, emotionally about Notre Dame football, I feel a little down in the dumps about everything, right? Like I don't feel great about this. So I'm always about like, let's build to the future and let's get better. Right. Like kind of that, that. Process driven type of situation that that mindset and right now the process is Notre Dame has to be better man like right. they have to be better I mean right. they have to get better they have to show progress and if you lose the USC you don't have a great or you could even have a good outing but you still lose the USC you still feel a little hollow in the process it makes the right like game look
2: even worse
1: yeah. This, yeah
2: this was this you know what I mean like it makes it even worse that you lost that last year's team because to John's question Ryan if they go 10 and two and you fast forward to yeah. the Saturday after Thanksgiving, they smack mm-hmm. Stanford, they finish the year 10 and two. They finish yep. the year with five straight wins. They're back in the top 15 creeping up on yep. the top 10. Cause there's going to be a lot of teams in front of them losing all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, okay, they, they rallied and, and they, and, and then you say to yourself next year, this gets you into the playoff. So if you yep. finish hot the way they did this year and future seasons, you still have a chance to play for a championship, right? Because that's the ultimate goal moving forward is you need to be red hot going into coming out of November. That's where you need sure. to be. If you yep. drop a game early and you're five and two and you're disappointed, but man, you right the ship against USC and you get hot and you finish year strong. And all of a sudden at the end of the Stanford game, this is the team we all thought they were going to be. Guess what? Next year, if it's the same situation, you got a shot to go win a championship possibly, yeah. right? And, and so... um it, it would be considered a, a, a progress I it just um it's just not the progress that they could have made and that's another point yeah. i made ryan is it's they didn't achieve their potential at all right but right it tells me they took a step because in order for them to go 10 and 2 ryan it means they have to fix all the crap that we saw from the last three weeks which is a good sign in and of itself yeah. that they were able to push <laughs> those right buttons because it's not as simple as just and I get what coach Freeman is saying, and technically, he's right. if they just executed five plays differently on Saturday, they're six and one. Sure. but it would still mask, right? Right? What do we say, right? process over results. That yeah. result would still mask that there's something a little broken about this team and they're not the team that they need to be. And uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's Matt.
1: everything good hopefully it gets hopefully it gets turned around. yeah, yeah, we're all good. yeah
2: okay All right.
1: Right, it's from Indiana Jones. I like that. That's funny. Um, yeah, with a lack Indi- of
2: off- Indiana Jones, is that is that- I, I thought
1: in Indiana, Indiana, yeah. like Indiana Jones? Yeah, I, I don't I, know. I was
2: wondering if, like, uh, that's, that's an interesting one. Good one, that's I like it though.
1: I, I like it. Yeah, with a lack of offense against good competition, are you worried about losing the elite offensive?
2: I, I meant to say recruits. I, I was at the end. oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Losing recruits. Um. I mean so we're like talking 2024 obviously right like that's yeah, like where CJ I'm my Ken Williams, mind goes. Williams yeah.
2: Young would be the elite guys for me.
1: Um not 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 yet. I mean uh, I don't know. Not at this time no. I'm not I'm not worried about it. If it keeps becoming worse and worse, I mean is there more possibility that like some people sure. have second thoughts and stuff? Sure. I mean a couple of those guys they're like I don't see Cam Williams going anywhere, for instance, right? Like, I don't see CJ Carr going anywhere, for instance, right? Like, so I, I think from a, just like a full vantage point, does it worry you on the recruiting side? Sure, it you worries you on the recruiting side, but like some guys, no. I think it's a, it's a, it's a individual by individual basis as far as who I would be
2: worried about, so. You have to also look, Ryan, at the makeup of the class. Yeah. I would have been more worried about losing guys last year when they weren't doing well than I am this year. Simply because the makeup of last year's team was a little different. Last year's class was a little bit different. Like yeah. CJ Carr and Cam Williams are both local kids. Right? Yeah. They're they're both right down the street. They both understand. And then they're also the other thing you gotta look at is is if the offense continues to struggle, they're gonna look at it and say, there's a chance for me to step right into that sucker because I'm what they're missing. Sure. And yep. so far, that's been the reaction from some of the different conversations I've had. so, but if if it keeps happening, sure, um, look, I, they're not going to play this bad all season. The question is, is they're going to get it fixed at some point. Just question is when and is it too late to really have a successful season? That's the question. And back to the beginning, right? That's why this game is so important. If you can fix it now and win this game, you're good you know it's like yeah stuff's got to get done you got to make some personnel changes in some different areas and you've got to make some philosophy and schematic changes sure those things got to be figured out but you're you're feeling a lot better about making changes at 8 and at 10 and 2 compared to 9 and 3 or 8 and 4 yeah that's the reality of it um did we answer this one ryan is it did we get this one already
1: yes yep must win game yep yep We had Nathan Mellon who says, what do you you hope to see from the offensive line this week? Rotations, different starters, how will the confidence be impacted of the interior after being rotated last week?
2: Nathan, that to me, Ryan, that's going to be determined by um, the last part. It's going to be determined by how they handle it this week. Like this is one of those weeks with some things that happened last week. This is one of those weeks where I'm not a big fan of coaches apologizing just to apologize. I think sometimes apologizing just because can make you look weak. Yeah. And, and but sometimes when you genuinely screw up and how they handle this O line situation and, and we're not going to get into it in this show. But if you want to know what we're talking about, it is on the premium message board. So, Nathan, you'll know what we're talking about when you handle it that way. That's one of those ones where like, dude, we F this up. This is on us as coaches and we got to own it. We got to step up and own it and say, hey, guys, this is on us. Now, here's what we're going to do moving forward. But this was on us. We, we screwed. We screwed the pooch on this one. And players will respect you for that. They will now. If yep. you're apologizing every week, it's like, hey guy, how about you stop effing stuff up, man? That'd be great, you know. Uh, or apologies become hollow and shallow. Yep. Like, did you apologize every week? Stop doing it. Like, it ju- you're just saying that just to say it because you think we want to hear it. Like, but in this case, I, I think it, it you know, just oh, not apologizing. Like, like, over oh, we weak, and you know. But like, you got to own this. Is basically what I'm saying. Like, it's got to. Yep. Hey guys, I screwed this up. This is on me. Coaches need to be willing to say that when they really drop the ball, and then. This And and if you're on the message board, you'll have a great understanding of what we're talking about, but they really dropped the ball and how they handled the O-line rotation. And as far as from a communication standpoint, they got to own yep. it, fix it, make sure that the players are clear on what needs to happen because I don't actually dislike part of what they did. I'm actually okay. If you want to get Andrew Kristoff in a couple series, not at center because <laughs> I'm not a fan of rotating centers, but you know, maybe at right guard. And I'm definitely a fan of getting Billy Shrouse some snaps because he had a, yeah. he had a, he had a couple of the worst snaps of the game, but he also had about three or four of the best snaps of the game for the, for the, from the guards, right? And so, again, more experience. He'll get better and better and better because the reality is, Ryan, yes, Pat Coogan is going to grade out at a higher percentage right now than Billy Shroud. But what Billy showed me on Saturday is what we always thought. When he, is, when he knows what to do, he, is, he can be dominant. And he showed that yeah. on Saturday as well. And you need to get that going. And so yes, he needs to play more. And then the better he plays, the more consistently, effectively he plays, then you play him more and more and more. That's what I would do. That's how I would handle things moving forward. I'm not going to wholesale change the offensive line though. I don't think Rocco's done anything right now. To I mean, I actually thought regrading, and I actually thought Rocco was Rocco and Zeke are probably the two guys that I thought were better, much better than what I thought watching live on the rewatch. Not that Rocco's necessarily great. But he was better. I thought Zeke mm-hmm. was a lot better. I thought Shrouth was better. The tackles were were worse. Joe Walt was worse than I thought watching live. Blake Fisher was as bad as I thought it was watching live. Um, and Andrew Kristofic looked like a dude that hadn't played a, that position a whole lot before. That's what yeah. he looked
1: like. It, the rotation thing just didn't make any sense. I mean, I come back to it; it just didn't like I. I have no problem. I also have no problem with Billy Shroth getting reps. I have no problem with Andrew Kostoff getting reps, but like make it make sense. (laughs) Like uniform, you know, like it's just, it it didn't make any logical sense. If you're going to put Andrew Kostoff at center,
2: wouldn't it have made more sense to have his first series be with the two starting guards and not another new guy? And Billy Shrouth playing his first meaningful down where now Andrew's got to worry about getting him set. I just to me that just sure would that's have. what I say why it just doesn't make as much sense. And wouldn't it benefit Billy Shrouth for his first series to have the veteran left tackle and the veteran center beside him on his first series?
1: Well, and the whole also the whole thing with Billy Shrouth is like you're you're talking about a young guy that you're trying to get experience, and the first game that you rotate him in, you're rotating him in at both guard spots. Uh. yeah. I don't, I don't get that one at all. So you're, you're trying to get a kid comfortable, and you're like, oh, nope, next drive, you're in a different stance altogether, and you're on the other side. That doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me personally. But,
0: yeah. I agree.
1: We had Andre Tonsil who says, thank you, Andre. What is the offensive identity, but moreover, is Coach Parker's well, Coach Parker's identity? Do we know if he is allowed to run plays that he wants? Really, to me, it's been all about schemes. Thoughts. I have no idea what the identity is supposed to be right now, Andre. That's the frustrating part. I I don't know. I'm not sure.
2: Nor do I necessarily know what Coach Parker's identity is because everything that I thought it was and everything I had been told it was in conversations I had and stuff we saw in the spring is not stuff we're seeing right now.
1: Yeah. It's not. I mean, even compared to the beginning of the season, man, like, I mean, the run game was, like, super creative. I'm like, cool, this is dope. Like, I I enjoy watching this, and now it's just very bland and very – one notes which is just
2: and the creativity is like stuff you shouldn't be doing like third and two trying to run a little you know navy trap play to chris tyree it's like it's like it was as bad as like i used to i joke brian kelly calling that jet sweep to chris brown on 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 in the red zone it's like you want to run that play fine there's a time and a place for it that ain't it you know against a team that's hard crashing the edge uh, you know, against the short side, it just, it didn't make any sense. It, it really Especially on a money
1: play. down, like fourth down. Like that's, that's one of the most, that's an important play, you know, but yeah. yeah. Whatever. Jim Holleran. Thank you so much, Jim. Why has the game planning suffered since Navy? It's not about execution when defense is put eight to 10 in the box. You can't block everyone. Why hasn't there been in game adjustments?
2: Well, I mean, there have been in-game adjustments. I mean, we've talked yeah. about this. There's been a, there's been plenty of games where Notre Dame has made in-game adjustments. I thought that uh, against Ohio State, in the second half, they made in-game adjustments. I mean, the three drives they had in the second half is they drove into Ohio State territory, got turned over over yeah. in downs, and then touchdown, and then touchdown. Right. I well, think NC
1: state, there was adjustments too. Yes. Because we forget like Notre, well, Notre Dame got off to a very slow start against me. Yeah, we have uh, to NC also state.
2: look at adjustments. Like he didn't say halftime adjustments, but like we, we talked yeah. at the time, you got to treat that, that end of the set, early second quarter weather thing is almost like a halftime and Notre Dame came out and did something new and it went for 80 yards. I mean, so they made, they've made adjustments. They didn't make, and they made adjustments last week against Louisville. They just weren't good ones. Right. So this notion that whenever you do something poorly, it's because you didn't adjust can, can sometimes be true, but sometimes it can be misguided. I think Notre Dame did some different things. They just weren't pushing the, 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 the effective buttons. In my opinion, Ryan. So uh Duke game, the run game, and they, the Duke game was probably the closest we've seen to not making adjustments in the run game. That was the closest we've ever seen to that, but they did some things in the past game that were different in the second half. They mm-hmm. just didn't work, but they, right. you know, and, and so I think the issue isn't that they don't adjust. It's just I don't think they've adjusted well in recent games, certain that,
1: situations, yeah. you know. Yeah. But
2: like I said, they adjusted against Ohio State. They just the problem is that in the in the last drive, they didn't go they didn't go back to what had been working so much in the second half. Yep, and that was a bit, a bit more of the issue. But I mean, they ran for over 120 yards in the second half against Ohio State. That doesn't happen if you don't make some adjustments to what you're doing. Right, and uh, and it and it worked.
1: Nathan Milton says, what is the difference in skill sets needed to each wide receiver position in Notre Dame? Could, who would, could Eli Raritan and Holden Stace play in the boundary?
2: Well, Raritan could. I mean, I thought they um, made a mistake with Eli Raritan last week. They were asking him to do a lot of important stuff last week. And I, I thought that was like, we thought they'd play him like, you know, 10 snaps, just let him get his feet wet and, and, yeah. uh, and go from there. And it's kind of like, they, they kind of like, Threw him right into the fire man like i understand you got a game you got to go win but it's like you're having this guy run like vertical routes and you know he didn't he didn't play a ton but like you know, 10 plays but it's kind of like man you he he just looked rusty just kind of expected yeah. him to look um yeah so i don't know that that i would have him there now eventually are there looks where I would put Eli Radd into the boundary? Absolutely, if he comes back and he, if he comes back as the athlete he was before the injuries. Yeah, absolutely. He is the yep. he is the closest thing to Tyler Eifert from a potential. They're different athletes, Ryan. Tyler was more smooth. Eli is more explosive. But what I mean by similar to Tyler Eifert is from a usage standpoint, how you can use yep. him because they would put to his point playing the boundary. I mean, some of the biggest plays Tyler Eifert made in his career. We're lining up outside as a boundary receiver. The touchdown pass against Stanford in 2012—that was an outside receiver fade ball. Yep. And Everett yep. put it perfectly. So, yeah, absolutely, I would, I would, I would consider using Eli Raritan in there. Holden Stace, uh, yes, in some certain situations. Mitchell mm-hmm. Evans is another one. So, I, th- I think all three of them have some things they can do in the boundary. I don't know if I'm ready to put Holden there yet, based on what I've seen from him. Mm-hmm. His skill set can eventually be that kind of guy. Sure. But even there, Ryan, like we saw them and I hate coaches that practice stuff that they never use in fall camp and spring practice. We saw them lining up holding Stace in the boundary split out wide, winning one on ones. And then we get to the season and we don't see it like you're wasting your time practicing that stuff as much as you are when you're not going to use it in games. You're wasting time giving Chris Tyree that many forced touches in practice if you're not going to then carry it into games, it's wasted <laughs> reps. Yeah. If he's going to be a part-time player in your games, and he needs to be a part-time player in your practices. That's the reality of it. And, and so that's the frustration I have is I don't think the preparation is, is leading to in, in game success against the better teams in the schedule and holding space yeah. is part of that. But I think you'd be foolish right now, not to do some things with Mitchell Evans into the boundary. I think you'd be foolish. Now, is it something I'm going to do all the time? No, because I just want to see, first and foremost, Ryan, the first time I do it, I'm not planning to throw them to the football unless it's an RPO hitch because they play off. I just want to see how you're going to line up. How do you move yeah. your linebackers? How do you roll your secondary? If we're going to put Mitchell Evans into the boundary and you're going to keep a corner over there, I'm going to have some stuff over here with my three receiver set that I think could give you some problems, yeah. right? Like, yes, you need to do some of that stuff. See how they respond. You know, because then you can do some stuff out of that, Ryan, where you have him in the boundary, but you have a bit of an overload with your receivers. So you have two receivers on, and then you motion him across. Not you don't have an overload. You you have the three receivers over, excuse me, and he's off the ball, which means you got to put a second receiver on the ball, which we'll see teams do, and then you motion Mitch, Mitchell across, and all of a sudden you just got leverage advantage on your run game, right? There's some yeah. things you can do out of that where it's not just lining him up and have him run routes, but and then there's certain situations where they're going to put a linebacker over there and not give him safety help yeah i'm gonna throw him a couple go balls and see what I, he can do
1: i might even throw a couple back shoulders if he's got a corner on him with the kind of, a lot of size that's, advantage that's a good point too, <laughs> good point yeah. too.
2: yeah i mean yeah. so yes right now he's your best pass catcher and he can do some things athletically that that can allow you to utilize him if not in the game plan but it can you open up some other things? So, if they're going to play, like, let's say they'd say, Hey, we're going to go too high and, and kind of bracket him because we don't have a corner that's big enough to run with him. But, and we don't have a, you know, like if you're USC, this would be a great game for because are you going to put Shane, you're going to put Tackett, Tackett Curtis out there on him? Because I'm definitely throwing mm-hmm. him a goal ball if Tackett Curtis is on him. I'm definitely going to throw him a goal ball if they put Shane Lee or, um, uh,
1: Cobb, Mason, Mason Cobb.
2: Cobb in there. That's a kid from Oklahoma yeah. state. Now, if they yep. put Eric Gentry out there, I'm not throwing him the ball, but you know what I just did? I just got your, one col- of your better pass awesome. out of the box, but
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I got Eric Gentry out of the box. Right. Yep. So now I got some other stuff I can do. Right. So that's the thing is Ryan, we just don't see a lot of cr- that. That to me is there's intentionality with some of this personnel stuff. And that's the thing that's lacking to me is there's no method to why they're doing things because we never see a counter to it, right? Like you're just calling this play to call this play. It took them seven games to finally run a pump and go on a tunnel screen. That play might've gone for six if they'd have done it against Ohio state, the way that Ohio state was playing them. Right. I mean, it's like, that's the stuff that frustrates me. It's like, they waited until goodness gracious, we got to do something to get this offense going as opposed to using it as a let's come out early and do something like that and steal some yards and jump on this team. That's the thing that gets me is like, there's just no, there's no intentionality to what they're doing to me offensively, Ryan, especially once they get off script, like they'll do some things that maybe are setting some things up and, and then we just don't see it. And, you know, it's like NC state was another one. It's like, man, they were, they were flying to the tunnel screens because Notre Dame had had some success with it. The first two games, where's your, where's your, pump and go you know i mean then maybe some of your tunnel screens against ohio state have a little bit more room to work because ohio state's worried about running that 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 go ball off of it so that's just stuff i want to see man but yeah that's the kind of creativity personnel wise Ryan, that we're just not seeing in my opinion and and you don't have to leave them there there's things you can do where you move them around but yes i would absolutely do that uh skill set needed for each position boundary it needs to be a go-to guy a guy that can win one on ones, he can win contested throws, he can win the back shoulders. He he's a he's got to be a decent route runner to get open on, on some of the in breaking routes. He's a guy that needs to be able to have enough juice to get across the field on some of the crosses and overs.
1: Usually, um, length is a nice little plus. Ideal. in the boundary yep. as well. Ideal.
2: Yeah. the way that Notre Dame uses the boundary, it's even more important. Other teams yep. can get away from it because they do so much over stuff and, but yeah, you've got your outside guy needs to be a bit more of a. Of a, of a deep ball guy, the way that they play it, and it's been true for a long time with Will Fuller that way too. You, n- you need a guy that can kind of stretch the field, take the top off the coverage, get over top of the coverage if they're going to play that way. A guy Which that can he... work – Yep, got a guy that can work the middle of the field on some deeper stuff too. Uh, he, he's got to win in traffic at times. He's also a guy that has to win one-on-one. And the way this offense is using their slot, it's a guy that just knows how to get open and a guy that can work zones and stuff like that. Um, they have Smart. used – yeah. yeah, they have used Chris Tyree a lot to run up the seams, and he gets open a lot up the seams, Ryan. They just don't throw him the ball up the
1: seams. Right. Yeah,
2: but at least they used it as a um, at least they used it as a as a, a way to get influence Louisville to got Jordan Faison open, which was uh, nice to see. Which is again, that's the stuff I when I mean, you see a lot more of that. That that's what Lincoln Riley is great at. Lincoln yes, Riley is. is is as good as anybody in football. And I, college football, I, I don't know about the NFL. I, you may be able to. Ah,
1: he me. might. He might be. He might be I'm as good like, as anyone in football. As yeah. far as yeah.
2: designing ways to get certain guys to football, I mean, yep. he, the only other guy to me that's close is Sark. That in college football, that that's probably it. Um, and it's because just he's such a great designer of plays, and he'll use like, yep. I mean, running buck sweep and coming back to tunnel and just like. He's so I like Chip creative. Kelly, too. I think yeah. Chip Kelly's
1: really creative. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: would love to see Chip Kelly if he could get the talent he had at Oregon at UCLA because the stuff he's doing now, he's not doing with the same horse as he had at at Oregon. But, you know, he's as far as the pass game, he's as good as there is in the country at just utilizing his personnel, his alignments, his motions. Uh, he's even better to me than Josh Heupel at using the entire field to create different things. Cause Hypo will use it for vertical stuff. Lincoln will do it for other things, but Lincoln does it more than just width Lincoln uses yeah. bunches really effectively. He just, he's a really smart, he'll go bunch and then have him explode out at the snap and do different things. And the way he uses post snap switches and things like that. I just, I think he's one of the, he's to me, as far as I wouldn't say, his offense isn't my cup of tea as far as what I would do, But you can't watch what he does in the pass game and not appreciate, like, dude, that guy just knows how to design plays to get dudes open. And it helps that he's got great quarterbacks, but I think he also helps develop those quarterbacks. Because, like, with what Jalen Hurts is doing now, did he ever look like this dude when he was at Alabama? No, Mm. I don't think he did. That year with Lincoln Riley really helped him understand spacing and timing and just reading defenses for width and depth and all those type of things. I think it was great for him. Yep, and um, and it's helped turn him into what he's come become in the NFL. So, um, I, you know, he he does a great job with that. I just want to see Notre Dame beats be better at it because they don't hardly do any of that. A little bit of it on Saturday, once, but just not enough of it. In my opinion. Not enough. I agree.
1: It's more we of a had, comment
2: from Jeff here.
1: Yep, Jeff, DeMunk says Brian. I am not sure if offense is going slow they just look too deliberate, overcalculated. That's that's fair. That's actually really fair. That's kind of what we mean, Jeff. Yeah.
2: That's a great way yeah. of putting it. It's to, that's what to say when we say there's no urgency, they're just they just everything yeah. they do is slow. I think Jeff's yeah. point is I think that's a a much better way of phrasing it because I think when you use the word slow, Ryan, it yeah. implies you are slow as no, opposed to slow. you are going slow. I yeah. think Jeff's expression of too deliberate is is even better. That's slow a, paced yeah, yes agree agree very methodical deliberate that's a great way of putting it jeff absolutely yeah. agree with you
1: angelo tortellini says i got hungry all of, <laughs> I, all of a sudden i am also very hungry <laughs> jeff Brom coached the pants off this staff what do you think riley is capable of on offense versus a wounded notre dame team which suddenly lacks confidence in their staff i'd love to see a turn can you guys stop saying that you we
2: have no clue If Notre Dame's players have lost confidence in the staff, maybe they have, maybe they they haven't. We have no clue. You have lost confidence in the staff, and I'm not even saying that you're wrong to do so, but can we please stop projecting our feelings about the coaches and the players onto the players and coaches, right? Can we not do that? So this team lacks confidence. doesn't mean they lack confidence in, in the coaches. It could mean they lack confidence in themselves. It may mean they lack confidence in the coaches, but we don't know that. What we know is they don't have a lot of confidence on offense right now. And so, you know, what's Lincoln Riley capable of? You know, he's capable of Notre Dame getting blown out on Saturday. That's what he's capable of. If the offense plays like it has the last three weeks and the defense, the defense has no chance of shutting USC down. None. Because they'll, they may even start, they could stop USC on four of their first five possessions and still give up over 40. Because if the offense plays like against Louisville, they're going to give you a lot of possessions. There was a lot of possessions on the last two weeks for, for Duke and Louisville. Yep. And, and I'd be willing to bet that Notre Dame's points per possession up until the last fourth quarter when Notre Dame was doing things offensively that were giving them short field. I'd be willing to bet you Notre Dame's points per possession rate the last couple of weeks was pretty good because Duke had a lot of possessions and only scored sure 14 did. points. Yep. You know, so, um, yeah, he's capable of putting up a lot of points if they don't make changes, but I I think, I don't think we should just assume that Notre Dame is going to come out this week and just continue to do the same stuff because they're facing a much different opponent in every phase this week than they did the last two. Yeah.
1: We had Ryan Loftus. What's up? Have you guys seen anything to lead you to believe the changes will be made by Saturday? Nope. No, no. If I'm going to be be honest, Ryan, Go. Yeah. Well, Go. I was going to say, I would be honest that I listened to Coach Freeman's press conference yesterday and I didn't feel good about it at all, to be honest with everyone. Right. People were talking about on the board. I didn't want to put my two cents in it, but like, I hope that it's just complete coach talk and that things are happening behind the scenes. But like, there's nothing to lead me to believe that that's right. a reality that's happening right now. I yeah. have no idea.
2: The thing I loved, and I said this yesterday, Ryan, from his press conference, is I love how quickly he shot down the whole your team's tired thing. That was my favorite part of the press. And he was, he was adamant. Like, you could just see his whole body language, like, no, we're not, we're not using that excuse. But a lot of the other stuff, it's like, you know, I don't want him to throw his coaches under the bus. I don't want him to throw his players under the bus. I don't want him to start blaming people. I want him to take ownership and just say, hey, look, you know, we're, but to your point, Ryan, is I don't care what a coach says. I care what a coach does. And we learned over time that when Brian Kelly, threw people under the bus in, 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 in things. That's what he meant. That's what he believed. And that's, so we never saw the changes. Right. I don't know the answer with Marcus Freeman. And and so I didn't know what the changes were going to be last year coming out of Stanford. We just saw them. Yeah. Well, I don't know what, the, like, to me, it's like he gives, he gives, he says the right things about process versus results, but then we don't always see, that lived out you know it's like it's like they needed to louisville game is that the thing they needed to to wake up where a a a a more veteran staff would have taken the duke game as we got lucky fellas we got lucky to win this football game and we got to make some changes and i don't think that they did on offense they didn't really make any in this and some of the changes they made ryan were just like that's your answer and that's really where my lack of faith comes from is it is, is is will they make changes yes my question is, will they make the right changes? That's where my confidence is a good lower point. for the offense.
1: It's it's just like, I don't need Marcus Freeman to lay out the blueprint to media, right? Like to tell him like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm not going to do this. Like, I don't need that. But he just keeps harping on a couple of the same things that make me super worried, you know, as far as wanting to establish the run. And it's all about execution. It's like, no, dude, it wasn't all, right. all about execution. I I, I just want to hear... We didn't get the job done on Saturday. We are working to fix it. And that's all I need to hear. You know, that's the process. But I just think that the emphasis on what process he's trying to fix is maybe what has me a little worried. But I hope I'm wrong. hope I'm very wrong. Well, and that's where you get into a coach, Ryan, who's still young. We
2: don't know the answers. Yeah. Like, we knew when things weren't going well in the last couple of years with Brian Kelly, you just knew it. And guys, they're not going to do anything different because that's just we know. Yeah. That's just who it is. I don't know what Mark. My my hope is, because right now, Ryan, we're hoping. Yes. My hope is that Marcus Freeman is going to handle the Louisville loss, much like the Stanford loss last year, which is okay. We're going to make some changes. This isn't okay. I'm taking ownership of this, and we're going to fix this. We're going to do this. We're going to we're going to be different. But I don't I don't know that, and I don't and I don't know. And here's the biggest concern: I the changes that need to be made to me are not really what I believe Marcus Freeman's philosophy is. The changes that need to be made are more tempo, spread the field, get the ball outside, do those type of things. And he has never shown in his tenure a willingness to allow his offensive coordinators to do that against good teams. Right. And that's my concern. Now, he's still young. Doesn't mean that he won't do that now. Sure. But we just need to see. And if he does... I feel good about it. I, Ryan. I actually feel if Notre Dame makes the necessary changes that we talked about, some of the ones we've talked about and, and some others that they see that maybe we can't see because we're not there at practice, right? They should beat USC. I'm
1: they not should. saying it won't
2: be earned and it won't be a yeah. good victory, and it'll but if if again, if Notre Dame plays their game, they have the better top to bottom roster than USC. I just don't have any faith that right now that they're necessarily going to do that because it is a lot of changes to make in one week, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, And that's that's where some of my my optimism, lack of optimism comes from. But um, we're still in hopeful mode because we just don't know. And we don't know that they're definitely not going to make changes. That's the uncertainty for me, Ryan. Maybe you feel different, but it's not that I know that they're not going to make changes. I I generally don't know because we didn't see it last week.
1: Well, I think there's more skepticism than optimism for me at the moment, just because I haven't seen anything that would lead me to be optimistic at this point as far as making changes. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope I I hope I I want to be wrong. I want to be pleasantly surprised. So I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. Agree.